Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. I want you to con- consider this phrase. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, how many of you recognize you are nothing? So any minute that we think of ourselves to be something, we deceive ourselves. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'm thankful that God has surrounded me with good examples, men that are finishing well their course. Thank God for Brother St. Pierre and Brother Dual Johnson and so many others, Dr. Sisk, some in our midst like Pastor Bob, others that God has brought into our lives. And uh, you look at Brother Kelly, still functioning like he's 50 years old. I'm not talking about Finishing physically well, because God doesn't allow all of us to enjoy that. But finishing spiritually well. Strong. I want to go out strong. The longer I live, the more determined I am to be careful. Because Satan is a sniper. How many of you have come to that conclusion? And I'm watching him pick off one Christian at a time, one pastor at a time, one evangelist at a time. And here's what you don't want to become. You don't want to become one of Satan's casualties. Now look what it says here in verse 1. That last phrase is our focus tonight. Considering uh, thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And I want you to think about the three reasons given here in this text uh, for a fall, but primarily understand we all are susceptible I want you to keep that in the back of your mind tonight. You are susceptible. Well, I've been saved 30 years. You are susceptible. Well, I'm a pastor. I grew up in a Christian home. I read my Bible. If you are flesh and bone, you are susceptible to fall. I want you to see, first of all, the phrase that we saw in that first verse, brother, if man be what? Overtaken in a fault. Let's consider that phrase for just a minute, overtaken in a fault. How many of you recognize faults in your own life? And you recognize as long as you address them and confess them daily, you're not overtaken. But if you ignore them long enough, they begin to gain a foothold, a stronghold in your life. All of us would have to look back on our spiritual lives and say, you named the sin, we... We saw that initial first step most of the time taking place in the mind. And whether that was by sight or uh, the ear gate, whatever it was, that, that began to stir in us 
and temptation. How many of you have ever prayed, oh God, don't put that temptation and opportunity together at the same time. Uh, Lord, protect me from that. I don't want to be overtaken. I have plenty of faults. I have plenty of failures. I have plenty of sins. I have plenty of problems. And I don't want to be overtaken by those things. Look what it says in 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What's our man soweth? We're talking about sowing here. He that soweth to his flesh. Now here's how to be overtaken in a fault. You feed that flesh. But here's, here's what we think. Too often we think uh, it, it's going to take a bad circumstance. It's going to take multiple temptations, multiple opportunities, multiple steps in the wrong direction. And here's what I want to prove tonight. That's totally wrong. I want you to look up here for a second. You are this close to a spiritual cliff. You and the flesh are this close. Now, I want you to think about a few examples overtaken in a fall. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're not going to read it all. Let's, let's consider for just a few minutes their circumstances. So God creates the heaven and the earth, the lights, the lesser light, the greater light, to rule the day, the sun, the moon, the stars, every living creature, wells and sea creatures and winged fowl. And then God creates man. And there in a beautiful garden, man has never ever had a place since that beautiful, that perfect, that immaculate, free of sin. They had no sin nature. They had no sinful influence. And they were personally walking with God morning and evening. Now, let me ask you this. Could the circumstance be any better for them to live a long, powerful, perfect, spiritual life. How many say everything was in their favor? How many of you would say, if I were in their spot, I know I would have made at least 1,500 years? 13, 12, undoubtedly, 1,200. Now, we don't know how long it was before they fell But God would give us the impression it didn't take a lot of time. And suddenly Satan is introduced into the garden. He brings temptation. Verse 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. He begins to question and we know what happens. Eve saw verse 6, the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. A tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took the fruit. If Eve was susceptible, you are susceptible. Ladies, you have an imperfect body and you're just the health issue alone, aging, the emotions that you feel, just the tiredness that you experience, all that you deal with during the course of a day, your children are imperfect. Eve was not dealing with any of those things that you're dealing with. Her husband was not imperfect. He was not even working by the sweat of his brow. 
callous on his hands, a wicked, unsaved heathen for a boss. He wasn't listening to the music that these men have to endure in their workspace. The filthy conversation, the billboards, the continual sexual enticement. Her husband wasn't dealing with any of that. She didn't have large shopping malls to lead her to covetousness. There was no man on the planet better looking than Adam for her to desire. She wasn't teaching in a Christian school and worried about the demons that God had placed in her classroom. None of that was affecting her. Everything was in her favor. And she was overtaken in a fault. There were not a series of events leading up to this. It was perfection. And suddenly she finds herself overtaken in a fault. And here's what we like to think. I'm safe because I'm not halfway down that road. I'm not pursuing that sin. I'm not leaving anything unconfessed in my life. I'm not covering. I'm not hiding. Maybe you are. Maybe you're halfway down that road. Maybe you're a lot farther than your face reveals or even your mate knows. But in this case, I want you to consider the word susceptible because Eve in the Garden of Eden, in the presence of God, in the absence of sin, in the perfection of her mind and body, fell. And from one day to the next, she was waking up in a perfect environment. And the next day, she is thrown out and her life is upside down because she was overtaken in a fault. Cain. I just want to give you three examples. Don't get nervous tonight. You say you're going to walk us all the way through the Bible. No, just going to give you. I'm not going to do that. Cain, the first murder. Now let me ask you this. What would lead him to murder? He's got one brother to deal with. Family members coming. The, the planet is this small in their area of existence, their area of relationships. There's not a multitude of people or things in life to push the button of anger or hatred. And from what we know in the life of Abel, he was not the button pusher. He was trying to please God. Now, when we think of sins and serious falls, this is a serious fall. We're not talking about bitterness or frustration evil words or slander. We're not talking about sibling rivalry or hatred expressed. You know what we're talking about? Murder. Consider yourself lest you be what? Overtaken and a fault. If we threw out 50 circumstances in life and we removed the names and you put Cain's circumstance in that mix and heard his story, you would say of all the circumstances, that man is the least likely to become a murderer. And yet he was overtaken in a fault. Judas, let's consider him. 
No, no way, not, not Judas. Now, in order to even be qualified to be a disciple, he had to be a follower of John the Baptist, then a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. How, how can you sit in this kind of spirit-filled preaching? Church, I know we bring in a lot of good preachers and we hear a lot of spirit-filled preaching, but this, I mean, it, it doesn't even register on the radar, spirit-filled preaching, when compared to the lovely Son of God walking the earth. And this wasn't a sermon. This, you come three times a week for 45 minutes, and with the Lord Jesus Christ, it was all day, every day, Sunday to Sunday. And if it wasn't, most of life's greatest messages are not preached behind a pulpit, but rather in person. And he was constantly hearing the greatest sermons through the life, the sinless life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while he was hearing that, his hand was in the bag. Well, Christ knew all things. He was taking money when there was very little money. And planning, planning and scheming, scheming and conniving how to deliver the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go back to Galatians 6, just so we refresh our memory, what our phrase of the evening is. Consider what? Thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now I want you to see it wasn't just overtaken in a fault. Look what it says in verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens. Now look at verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Then verse 9. Let us not be weary. There's another reason people fall. It's not just that they're overtaken in a fall, but they're overburdened. Now, we're not going to get detail. What? Because for everyone, that burden for some that is light is heavier for others. And it's usually not a singular burden in life that is crushing, but a combination of burdens. It's not just the financial burden, but the physical blow, the health issue, the family altercation, a problem in relationships, a Whatever it is in life, it's Satan seems to know when to stack problems and increase the weight of our burdens. And here's what he said. He said, we need to be attentive so we can help carry each other's burdens. And you ought to be aware enough to know that person seems really burdened. I'm going to go help carry the load. Now, we know, we know the principle. We know the principle that every man ultimately will have to carry his own burdens. Because you can help alleviate it today, but you're not going to be able to help alleviate it every day, all day. You can go for an hour or two and alleviate the load. Maybe you can go for a day or even a week. But you cannot permanently, as much as your heart's desire is to help another person, you cannot carry the load that God has placed on their back, their shoulders, their lives. 
So that's why he said we need to be aware and help alleviate the load, but at the same time understand you better walk with God because you're going to have to carry your own burdens. You better build up some spiritual biceps because sooner or later your load will get heavy. And if you haven't increased your faith and build up a spiritual walk with God, you're in trouble when that load gets heavy. And the Bible does say, casting all your care. Now, I don't, I don't care if you take, no, come here for a minute. I don't care if you take Noah, strong. How much you weigh? 175. 175. How much you bench press? 225. 225? We're going to see. <laughs> now, at this point, Noah's feeling gently tested. Jamie, you think you can sit up there? Now, here's what happens. We see someone carrying these burdens. Come here, Nate. What does a friend do? Take one of those chairs. If he can take one and walk beside him, come to this side, what's he going to do? No, I'm going to help alleviate some of that. That's friendship, right? Is that spiritual friendship? If I see him struggling with his load, I don't add to his load. Christians are good at that. Or if they see him carrying a load, they're like, I'm going to kick him in the shin and see if he can still carry it. I'm going to stab him in the back and see if he can still carry it. Let's see what kind of spiritual man he really is. No, spiritual friendship is saying he's carrying a heavy load, so I'm going to help him carry his load. But let me ask you this. He can't do that all day, every day. Here's the blessing of what God does for us spiritually. Come here, Cody. Is Wyatt in here? Wyatt's right in front of me. Wyatt, get up here. Take those. Yes. Bad representation of God, but I had no choice. <laughs> Nate, throw that on there. Go ahead. Now, let me ask you. Here's what we're supposed to do. Not rely on him because ultimately he can't carry that burden. Rely on God to carry our burden because These are still Noah's burdens. These are his problems. This is his load. This is his health. This is his relationship. This is his boss. But if he's walking with God and that relationship is right, you're going to look at Noah and say, no, you don't look that burdened. And he can say in all honesty, I'm not. Now, you know what we do? We wake up in the morning and we find a way to do the stupidest thing in the world. We take the burden back. We say, man, I almost missed that thing. I had no reason to be miserable yesterday. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Noah's young and healthy. How long is he going to be able to live a normal life lugging these burdens around? He can't even live one normal day, let alone a normal life. His friends can't live a normal life if they think every time they get with Noah, I'm going to have to carry one of his burdens. Because sooner or later, Nate's going to be like, that's a call from Noah? (laughs) No, conference. I'm in a conference, Noah. I didn't have my ringer on, buddy. Thank you. You can put those chairs back down. 
Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. You know the story what happened in 1 Kings 18. Elijah will go and challenge the prophets of Baal down there in Mount Carmel. He sees what he thinks is a national revival, but it's not. It's an emotional moment for the people of God when they see this kind of visual illustration of the Lord being the God he is. And now after the false prophets are slain, he thinks Israel will wholly follow God and they don't. Verse 19 Chapter 19, verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. They were slain with the sword, decapitated. Young people, just give me a word of, let me give you a word of advice. Never a good idea to lose your head. Never a good idea. And these men did. Verse 3. When he saw that. What are we talking about? When he saw her threats. He was watching in his mind. Reliving those false prophets slain. And thinking that's what's going to happen to me. And it began to build up great fear and trepidation in his heart. He arose. He went for his life. This great men of God. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. He went from Mount Carmel to suicidal mission. Saying, God, I'm done. I just want to die. You know why? He's carrying his burdens. And they are heavy. When you're a lonely prophet, hated by a very powerful queen... You're running for your life. The nation that you thought was revived has sunken right back into the same sins of idolatry. Now, here's what happened. He had no one else to carry his burdens except God. And at this point, that man that was so close to God yesterday, now is running all alone with his burdens and smashed to the ground. He smashed so low, he finds himself under a juniper tree. You know juniper branches... Uh, started 18 inches on the tree. So if you're laying under a juniper tree, you're as low as you can go. And church, I want to finish well. Here's the problem. I need to understand I'm susceptible to being overtaken in a fault. I'm susceptible. If Elijah's being, if he finds himself susceptible, I believe this is the end of his ministry. This is where God's going to take him. He's going to pick him up, brush him off a little bit, but ultimately he's going to find his replacement. And from this point on, his ministry is basically over. Overburdened by the loads of life. Crushed. And if you're going to finish well, you better understand your limited capacity and when health issues and uh, your memory's not as good as you think it should be and you can't sleep at night and your body hurts and you're, you're seeing people um, seemingly replace you. You feel like your value is sinking instead of rising and frustrations mount and medical bills seem imminent. 
You're going to have to carry your own load, but you better do it with Christ. And if you're any Christian at all, you better find those that are carrying loads and say, what can I do to alleviate their load? But that help is short-lived, and ultimately, if your walk with God is not so close that you allow Him every day, you take those burdens, you cast them upon Him, you will be smashed by the loads of life. And over the past 30 years, I've watched people, I've watched these things happen the best because even the best are susceptible. I don't know how many people I've seen overloaded and fall away because there is no human strong enough in the flesh to carry the weights of this life, including the ministry, if there is not a close walk with God. Now let's look at the last thing, Galatians 6, verse 3. Overtaken in a fall over burden. As it stressed the pressure, the burdens of life. Look what it says, verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let's talk about being overloaded by pride. Go to, me, go to me. Isaiah chapter 14 for just a minute. Isaiah 14 verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Go with me. Keep your finger here. Go with me to Ezekiel 28. Let's look a little bit closer at Satan, his circumstances. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, speaking of Satan, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sellest up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art anointed... Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now you understand, we're talking about one of five. He's the covering cherub of the very throne of God in heaven. No, no blemish, no spot, no sin, no stain, no imperfection, no problem. And I mean, how could someone fall from heaven and you're a cherub in heaven? The most, we thought the Garden of Eden was perfect. If Adam and Eve were susceptible to fall in the Garden of Eden and Satan was susceptible to fall in heaven, do you think you're not susceptible on this earth with your flesh? And Satan's minions. Say, Pastor, you tell me I don't have any chance. No, I'm telling you you have a chance, but you have a choice. You have to say, okay, let me identify here the temptation. Let me identify the problem. Let me identify. And the main one that's identified here is pride because verse 17 says, Thine heart was what? Lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. And God said, I will cast thee to the ground. 
Now go back to Isaiah 14, look what it says. As he says, I will ascend, I will exalt myself, I'll sit upon the mount, I will ascend above the heights and the clouds, I'll be like the most high. What did God say, verse 15? Yet thou shalt be what? Brought down the hill to the sides of the pit, they that shall see thee narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? You and I are susceptible in this environment if Satan was susceptible in heaven and Adam and Eve were susceptible in the garden and Cain was susceptible with just a handful of people upon the earth. Go with me to Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, what was their first estate? Heaven. They left their own habitation. Not, not Satan. Now, let me ask you this. Don't you think that the angels would look at Satan and said, you're so stupid. You're, you're getting cast out of heaven. You can't be like God. Satan is still trying to be like God. Thousands of years later. But a third of those angels said, he's got a pretty good idea. Hold on for a second. Time out. Don't we need to just sit down and reconsider here the logic of this or the lack of logic? So he's losing heaven. He can't be like God. He's a lesser being. That's impossible. But you're going to follow him? It wasn't one. We don't know how many angels, hundreds of thousands or millions, most likely countless millions of angels that said, we're going to follow him out the door of heaven. Church, are you capturing how susceptible we are? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. We'll close with this chapter. 1 Corinthians 10. One more for brethren. I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. He said, I, I want you to consider here those that fell and those that stayed faithful because they had all of the same benefits. They were all rescued from Egypt. They all saw the miracle of the Red Sea that we spoke about this morning. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. What they received from the hand of God directly. There in Mount Sinai, that guidance, the spiritual instruction, the spiritual meat, the spiritual drink, they all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of the spiritual rock. It wasn't just water from the rock, but the spiritual water that they received, Christ. But, verse 5, with many of them, God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Why? These are... And were our examples to the intent that we should not do what? Lust after evil things. Is they also lusted. So, let me ask you this. You have a million and a half, two million Jews. The, the same trail, the same God, the same cloud, the same manna, the same tablets, the same law, the same guidance, the same presence of God, the same tabernacle. Circumstances can't keep you from falling. Some lusted. And fail. Some became idolaters. 
as it is written, the people. Now, here's idolatry. We think idolatry is a statue up there and people on their faces. Here's what God highlights in this. Not the golden calf. What's he say? The people sat down to eat, to drink, rose up to play. That sounds to me like the average American Christian. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. And fell in one day three and twenty thousand fornicators. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted or destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye. Uh, you thought you were off scot-free until we got to verse 10. Murmur ye as some of them also murmured were destroyed. Same circumstance, same desert, same food, same tents, same path. Some murmured and some didn't. Now, what's it say, verse 11? All these things happened unto them for examples. And they've been written in Scripture. Passed down to us, thank God, for the preservation, not just the inspiration of Scripture. All these things happened to them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Verse 12, and here we close. What's it say? Wherefore, everything that was just written is therefore written for the wherefore. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There's not a person in here not susceptible. People that were stronger spiritually and better circumstances with less accessibility to sin fell. You better understand what your flesh is capable of and say, I want to finish well by the grace of God and I want to make sure I hold myself accountable and those around me hold me accountable. Never get my eyes off Jesus. Because you're not 58 steps away. You're one. Satan didn't have 10 years of a downward spiral. He had a moment of pride. Adam and Eve didn't have 50 poor influences surrounding them that led them to make a bad decision. They went from perfection to stupidity in a single decision. Take heed lest ye fall. 